Kaiju Transmissions podcast. I'm Kyle Bird, and uh, with me is my co-host Matt Parmley. And uh, how are you, my friend? Uh, I'm good. But yeah, uh, the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at kt underscore podcast yes thank you um instagram uh we're on tumblr and of course we're on facebook like us on facebook that's probably the best way to get to us um facebook and instagram and leave us a review on itunes a star rating or a uh not no, one uh, star <laughs> uh, well you, you yeah hey you could you could that's that's completely up up to them that's right? true <laughs> but if they're listening to our show and they're going to give us one star, that just that that hurts me. There's my feelings, man. Well, if they're still listening to us and giving us one star, I'm wondering. Well, yeah, there's only like two of them. Yeah, so why? Well, they... yeah, but like, why? If they still are, like, I don't know why anyone is still listening to us if they're going to give us one star. It's true. I mean, what? I have, whatever. I mean, it's their time. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but yes, do that for us as well. Um. So today uh, we are going to go back and we are going to talk about the the about monsters. Now, uh, granted, that's what we do every time we get together. <laughs> but specifically, we're going to be talking about the uh, the little independent uh, film from 2010, uh, directed by future Godzilla director Gareth Edwards. Um, and, uh, I guess we're gonna have to talk about the sequel, uh, Monsters Dark Continent. Now, um, we'll just get right going. So, Monsters is a little indie movie, uh, it costs less than half a million dollars, I believe, um... And, uh, at the time, Gareth Edwards was a visual effects um artist uh and you know he he would end up uh you know he wanted to direct and you know some of the the shows that he would work on he would say I'll do the effects for free if you let me direct an episode or something like that um but yeah he he ended up getting this little movie financed called Monsters and he went full on just uh 
tiny budget. I mean, most movies... I mean, $4 million is considered a, a, a tiny budget, and this was, like, less than half a million dollars. So, um, what's interesting about this movie is that... Uh, I mean, there, well, there's a lot of things, in my opinion, that are interesting about this movie, but I guess what's interesting about the making of this movie is that um, the only actual... Uh, real actors are Scoot McNary and Whitney Abel, who Scoot McNary has um, done a lot of stuff now, but, you know, he was an unknown then, and um, that's his real-life girlfriend at the time, now wife. Um, so you, he had uh, pretty much just two actors. Um, they filmed it uh, across five different countries, Um and uh, they had a, a tiny crew of four people uh, on set. Um, so there was Gareth, then there was a line producer, a sound recorder, um, and uh, a unit production manager, and that's it. Um, so anyone else in the movie is someone that, you know, they were in a, a, you know, a different country, locale, and they just walk up to people and be like, hey, you want to be in a movie? It's very much... Last time we talked about Cue the Winged Serpent, it's very much that guerrilla filmmaking kind of thing that Larry Cohen would do. Uh, speaking of which, you know, they that's how they filmed everything, you know, going into places they shouldn't be going and filming and leaving, and everything that you see is is pretty much, like, improvised. Um, Matt, are you familiar with the term mumblecore? I am. Do you know what it means? Um, you're not talking about mumble rap, or <laughs> no? I'm totally kidding. Uh, no, I mean I. And it, well, mum, yeah, and mumblecore specifically is like, um, yeah, there's it's kind of a subgenre of little indie movies where they don't really have a script. Um, they just kind of rely on the improv talents of the people in it, and there's just kind of a an outline and maybe a few lines here and there of you know this is what's happening in the story, so. You know, oh, they get to um, they get to the border and have a conversation with the person at the border, and they can't get through. And then just relying on people to naturally, you know, improvise that scene. Um, same thing with like at the end of this when they're at the gas station. Like, okay, they go to the gas station and they wait for the army. But, and that's what's happening in the story, but, you know, what they actually say is improvised between the two people. Um, and the, so the whole movie was put together like that, you know, it, really no actual traditional script, just everyone has, you know, story, the story, and then, you know, it's up to them to, to act it out, you know, however they feel like doing it. Um, and uh, that's very much uh, something that you usually see in, like, indie kind of romantic drama or dramedy um so yeah to to do something like that in a a giant monster kind of alien invasion type of movie is uh is is isn't quite you know something we've we've seen before um so matt why don't you uh hit us with um i guess a a a breakdown of the the story yeah so you have um basically a guy who's a he's working for a, a company he's assigned um to bring back this i guess is it like the ceo uh of this company has a daughter that's yeah, abroad it's, and um, 
Yeah, it's like a publishing company. It's it's like the only like big publishing company left, basically. Yeah, so they're basically that she is in an area. It's uh, south of the U.S. Mexico border, and she's basically between. There, there's an infected zone that you can't cross. You have to cross the infected zone to get back to the United States. And there's been based, there's an alien invasion, and you don't see a ton of the creatures, but everybody knows that they like every they call them infected zones. The guy, the main lead in the in the uh, film, is a photographer working for this company, and he's been tasked with bringing this guy's daughter back. And she's kind of apprehensive. We learn that she's got a fiance that she seems very uh, apathetic towards throughout the kind of movie. And there's a couple phone calls that happen between her and her father, and her and the fiance that are very. Um, but it's kind of depressing. She's very much not interested in him. And during the course of their journey, they have to like pay off people to cross the border. At one point, they try to um, they're trying to take a ferry. The ferry doesn't work because it left early. Then the guys there's a guy extorting them for money, and they they eventually make their way across the border um, into the United States and find out that oh no, these monsters are actually everywhere now, and they're in the U.S. Whereas before they weren't. Um, and there's a pretty cool part at the end of the film that you learn is actually attached to the very beginning of the film because the film opens up and that's actually the ending. So and I, could, I just want to hit the cliff notes. What I, what I really like about the film is like considering that there's just a bullet point plot and these two are improving, they have incredible chemistry. And obviously they were together at the time and that's probably a big part of it. But like watching them act and watching the way they communicate and, and behave towards one another – like I had no idea that what I was watching at the time was improv, that they were just kind of going along, you know, with, with whatever came to their minds. And I thought that's kind of why I like this movie so much is because the character work is excellent, and the monsters that you get, um, like you don't see them a ton, but you feel their presence the entire movie. And the stuff that you do get is actually really, really good, especially considering how, like Edwards did everything, the special effects, everything was all him. He's a one man show, and I thought he handled himself pretty brilliantly in this film yeah for sure um yeah no the the interesting the thing that i like about the concept is um he kind of used the uh iraq war um as a uh, kind of a way to describe it because uh, this this takes place several years after you know an alien uh invasion i guess and um uh, where they collected some some uh, uh, I think it's Europa. They say in the special features like the the head cannon backstory was uh, a vessel that went to Europa and gathered samples, crashed around Mexico, and then yeah, that's when the infected zone um, thing came in, and they built this giant wall um, across the Mexican border, which these days takes on a whole different. <laughs> It put, these days puts the movie in a whole different yeah. socio-political context. Um, but he wasn't thinking about immigration and stuff like that when he made this, which, like, watching it now is just so, like... It's, it's almost hard to, like, imagine that this was made at a time when, you know, the whole Mexican walls stuff, like, wasn't really taken seriously. Um, even though, like, like the movie would work if you look at it that way, too, though. Yeah, it definitely would. Um, it's just, like, I guess kind of a happy accident that it's 
been a well it's unfortunate that it's had to age into a problem that wasn't really a problem then um but the, the the whole point is um you know the Iraq war stuff and and Edward said you know if say you know any think of any alien invasion movie or any giant monster movie like like Cloverfield like if Cloverfield's the 911 monsters is the you know you, 6 years later and the Iraq war is just um uh you know an everyday thing like you turn on the TV and you see some messed up stuff going on, and, like, you don't even, you barely notice it anymore. So, that's kind of, like, the, 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 the framing of, of, of monsters, is, like, yeah, the, the giant monsters are just things that we live with every day now. Um, he has uh, a quote that actually, uh, he says, it's basically, war is going on on the other side of the world, and no one cares, which... I mean, yeah, that's how, <laughs> that's honestly how a lot of that felt here probably for many people. And I think that concept plays out really well in this film. Yeah. And there's a lot of little, um, uh, there's a lot of little things in there too. Like, um, you know, they put, whenever there's, uh, they don't flat out say it, but, and Matt, maybe you can tell me how my read is, um, cause it's not really specified. Like, because people walk around a lot, and the, but then, like, certain times, especially when there's, like, a bombing that's about to happen, they have to put on these gas masks, and there's a scene where they talk to um, some guys uh, uh, who are explaining that, you know, they use chemical weapons, like, the, the military uses chemical weapons against yeah. these things. And yep. so, so the, am I wrong in, in thinking that the... Uh, they have to use the gas masks because of the the chemical weapons and not because of anything the the monsters themselves are doing. I read it the other way, but now that you say it, it could be both for sure. Because like we never get a scene where the monsters are like emitting a weird gas or anything like that that I that I remember anyway. And I just watched it, you know, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and um, and yeah, the. Like when they're around mon- the mon- like, like they walk by like the their dead bodies and stuff and like no one's wearing any gas masks or anything. Yeah, no, I think that, that yeah, I think that might be right actually. Now that I'm, I, I didn't think about it at the time because I think the natural inclination is like you see it in a bunch of movies where there's this otherworldly thing, we don't know about it, so we're trying to protect ourselves from it. But they do specifically mention the, uh, the chemical weapons, and I think you might be right. Yeah. Because like, there there's no like, yeah, there's there's no scene of like someone like like we we do get to see the monsters like what do, what they do if they like walk up and attack people who are like in their territory, and yeah, they like pick pick up cars and drop them and stuff like that, but they're not like nobody nobody's ever like like struggling to breathe or anything like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I it, it kind of felt like me that the the intention was almost um that we're doing more harm than we are good. <laughs> you know, we're doing more harm than the monsters are. Yeah, like scrolling through a couple reviews, um it it appears that most people have the same read that you do, which is it's primarily because of the chemicals being used against the monsters okay. and not not the monsters themselves. 
Yeah, the monsters themselves, like, I don't know, they're definitely, like, can be, like, dangerous animals, but, I don't know, they seem more, like, dangerous in the way that, like, I don't know, a, a wild, like... Lion or, like, a yeah. freaking crocodile or anything. Yeah, like, anything, if, right? if you're around it, just don't piss it off, and, like, you should be okay, and don't, like, wander into its territory or, like, mess with its young or whatever. Um the yeah and because um the it it the end of uh, the making of on the blu-ray which is like loaded with like even if you don't even if you don't like the movie and w- just want to learn about like how to make a movie by yourself like the blu-ray is loaded with like really good stuff um but uh but yeah and it in the making of uh at the end Gareth Edwards says something like um you know, the whole point is if you treat something uh, like it's a monster, and um, then you're going to see a monster. But if you, you know, try to understand it um, and kind of treat it with respect, you know, you'll see that it's it's not, it's just, you know, it's, it's not a monster. And I, I think, you know, going back to the Iraq War thing, I mean, look at, like, the kind of you know, racial divides and irrational fears that, you know, the war on terror inflicted on, and on a lot of people, you know, I, I think that it kind of makes sense. No, I definitely would agree with, with all of that. Um, one thing I like about this film too, is like, like I said, there, there, you feel the monster's presence throughout the entire film. Everywhere you go, there's like the, there's a couple scenes where they keep hearing these weird like monster sounds in the background, and it's very eerie and off-putting. And there's a sense of like dread and people just trying to live everyday lives, and then being impacted by like the night attacks. And so like there's a scene where um, Andrew, the, the the lead, and Samantha actually go to a um, they're taken in by a family who are just they're everyday people, but they're showing video clips on like whatever the news station is of the monsters being attacked and it's freaking everybody out. And then you have that juxtaposed with like people going out to the bars and they're still living their everyday lives and having to cope with everything going on around them, just getting worse. And so that dynamic works really well. And I, and I feel like, um, the, 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 the two actors, I mean, like they, they just play off each other incredibly well and like their chemistry is great. And it, and at the end of the film, like the the way that they have these moments, you know, we learn that Andrew um, has a has a child, but he the he didn't realize at the time, but his that that child is actually the product of an affair because the girl didn't tell him that he that she was with somebody and she got pregnant. He learns it a couple years later, and that he shares this really like very touching moment where he calls his son at home and says, "Hey," but the, uh, he talks to him for a bit, but the kid doesn't actually know that that's the father, and like there's all these little nuances and stuff with the characters that give it a lot of depth. And I think that's the most enjoyable part of the movie for me. Um, if you're looking for like a monster smash em up kind of thing, that's not what this is, but you do get some of that and the payoff I think works really well. Yeah. Well, yeah, the stuff with, um, yeah, like the only way he can be in his son's life is if his son doesn't know that he's a father, you know, it's kind of, uh, eating him up, which I, I think you really see at the end. Definitely. Um, at the end. And then it's the same thing with, like, uh, you know, Sam's engagement. You kind of feel the same way. Like, they don't say why she's in Mexico, but, you know, it sounds like, you know, maybe she was trying to to get away 
for a little bit. And um, there's a great scene where uh, her arm's in a cast, and, and there's a great scene where um, Andrew like breaks the cast off, and she's like, "Oh, it feels," and 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 she uh, he has to take off her 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 wedding ring has to be removed and he's and and she's like you know you you realize like oh she's not referring to the cast she's referring to the ring being off of her finger um yep. yeah there there's a lot of stuff like that um it's it's really just kind of a a a movie just about watching these two people get to know each other and you know they're kind of i guess by the end you see how they they could have maybe in another life you know been perfect for each other but you know they're they're star crossed um and uh it's just it's it's a very quiet movie and it stays quiet throughout the entire thing um so it's it's a very atypical for a monster movie the same way that um you know Q might be um you know that this isn't the kind of thing that you're going to go to if you want to watch a a giant monster you know on the loose kind of movie it it's it's the it, it's what i i like because it's um you know it's being able to mix giant monsters into something you don't always see giant monsters in and i i think that's that's the novelty of it and i think that um that's what makes it interesting uh the title monsters i think kind of might set people up for an expectation that they might not be getting but um you know i i think that it's one of those things like Q. I mean, you need to know the kind of movie you're getting into if you even want to, if you're if you're even trying to appreciate it, you know. Because otherwise, you're just gonna say, well, "This isn't what I was expecting," and you know, you're gonna judge it based on that rather than what it actually is. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would agree. It, it, this this movie is much more akin to like Cloverfield or um, I can't crap. I was thinking about <laughs> I was literally thinking about a movie as you were talking and just like popped out of my head but um characters are definitely why you're here but i will say like look at it the way edwards brings his creatures to life there's a lot of vibrant use of light the monsters like glow and they actually there's um just the the crazy sounds that they make and, and at the end of the movie there is a lot of payoff where you get to see the monsters in kind of all their glory and then you have an eventual attack, and that's a lot of fun. I think it really captures, and it's very it, it captures your attention. It's incredibly innovative, um, and you kind of, I mean, considering the guy literally made this on his laptop, like uh, incredibly impressive work, honestly. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, the the climax of the movie is, you know, you you finally see these these two giant monsters. Um, come together at this at this gas station on a, 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 a you know an abandoned road, and they don't fight. They don't start tearing stuff up. They what they do is they they mate, which is done. I guess when you're an alien giant monster, you <laughs> I guess you rub your tentacles together and exchange glowy light, <laughs> and then and you just walk away. I guess. 
but that's the well literal and uh, <laughs> the li- in more than one way that's uh the climax of the movie um and then you know for our characters you know the big emotional climax is when the military is you know they finally kiss and the military comes to i guess rescue them which if you're attentive you'll realize uh it, the the opening in the beginning uh, maybe they didn't get too rescued successfully um uh but like our emotional payoff is these two finally kissing and then you know she she looks at him and and she she's upset like she she's upset that you know they're gonna the military is gonna come take them home safely she's she says i don't want to go home you know as nightmarish as some of the stuff they've been through together is she still doesn't want to go home and uh i mean that's that i mean like that there is is the climax of this movie it's very understated it's you know it's not you know big explosions or big you know uh kind of Hollywood love scene it's it's very quiet and if that sounds like something that would appeal to you I think it will like I mean if everything you're that I'm describing sounds like nonsense to you you're probably gonna watch it and be like well where's all the got to the punch stuff (laughs) yeah I mean stick with your your regular you know kaiju movies but you know, I, I like when people take things like this and do something inventive and interesting, especially with like five cents. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Gareth Edwards, he, he, he you know, wrote, directed, produced. Um, he was the cinematographer, so he filmed everything himself. He was, you know, the only actual cameraman was him. Um, did all the effects, like, that That was all him. Um, so, I mean, even if I wasn't as fond of the movie as I am, you know, it's something that I would at least sit back and admire the achievement. Um, it's like Colossal, that's what I was thinking about. That's okay, the closest, yeah. Like- yeah, no, Colossal, that's another great example of, like, hey, if, you, if, you, if you're a fan of the genre and you want to see and something a lot different and you just want to like see how someone might mix it with other genres and things like that. Um, cause I mean, for me, that's, those are the big surprises. You know, we, they're going to be making Godzilla movies where he fights other monsters and it, until long after we're dead. So, I mean, I, I, you always have that comfort food as, as a, a giant monster fan, but, um, you know, I I also want something else every now and then, and you know that's when I you get your your colossals, your cues, your monsters, your troll hunters. That's 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 those are the really fun and nice surprises that the genre will give you every now and then. Um, uh, now, uh, Matt, you're a, you're a, a creature guy. What do you think of the the monsters themselves? I mean, their designs. I mean, uh, their their behavior. Um, I, their designs are pretty pretty interesting to me. It's like someone took a set of crab legs and like threw an octopus over it. Um, <laughs> what do you think of the actual creatures? I thought they were pretty cool. I think that they are they are very otherworldly and very like as you mentioned, kind of squid like and what what i really appreciate though is the 
the bioluminescence and, and kind of the way that their their mannerisms are and their behavior and the way that they glow and like they're they're apparently attracted to I guess it's electricity because yeah. when they go to the gas station they're like poking at the lights and the signs and stuff trying to figure out what they are. Um I thought they were cool. I thought they served the purpose in the movie really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the um on the Blu ray, which you can get really cheap. So again, like I know this movie is pretty common on streaming services. It's on like a crap ton of them. But I would recommend getting the Blu-ray and just checking out all the making of stuff. But Matt, as someone that likes like creature designs and concept art, there's a part in the making of that you'd get a kick out of because um, <laughs> Gareth Edwards is like, like pretty much just like between shoots or like you know on the way somewhere, he would just sit down with a pen and paper and draw another version of the monster so he had like by the by the time they were done filming he had like maybe something like a thousand sketches <laughs> and so he <laughs> there's a great part where he goes to the office of the the producers and he's narrowed the sketches down to like 200 monster designs and he just brings them all in and like shows all of them and he sits on the floor and like <laughs> and pitches to these two guys like, okay, here's what I'm going for with this one. Here's this one. Like, I, I, I don't like this one too much. And, like, seeing some of them is pretty cool because, like, there's one that looks a little more like the monsters in the next movie we're going to talk about in the sequel where, like, it's just kind of like a bunch of stuff. And he, he specifically points to it and he says, I don't like this one because it's too, like, there's it, it, it's too unfamiliar. And he said, you know the octopus crab kind of hybrid he 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 ended up going with that because he wanted it to be otherworldly but he also wanted it to look familiar enough that um that you know people would be able to i guess um i don't know not not maybe relate to the monsters but not you know not be too scared of them by the time that end scene comes around where, you know, you realize like, Hey, these things are just trying to mate and, um, survive like any other species. But no, that, um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a cool little scene and you realize he's just a doofy doofus. (laughs) Like, like we are, (laughs) it's like, I have 200 designs. So let's sit down and let's realize, let's pick out the one we like the best. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) Yeah, it's, it, it, it's pretty cool how they, they came to that conclusion, I thought. And um, I don't know, I think the next movie might have missed that point a little bit, but that's we'll get there in a little bit here. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, the monster, the, the creatures, I, they're cool. They serve their purpose. I, I think the main, the main reason you watch this film is because you enjoy a very good character story, and then you see the payoff at the end. And I and I think the monsters are definitely a big part of that. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. No, I I agree. And then, um, yeah, you you realize that they, um, you know, they'll uh, they'll you know these mo- these these monsters go travel great lengths to you know <clears throat> to find a mate. And so there, you know, I get that can also be compared to the the two lead characters who have come from different places and met up and uh, have kind of hit it off, even though you know, for practical and literal reasons, you know, that romance might be doomed. But, um, but yeah, it's I I think it's a cool little movie. Um, <clears throat> I know when it came out, 
uh, other kaiju fans were kind of hard on it, whereas, you know, mainstream critics and I think maybe, you know, more casual moviegoers were more into it. And I, I think that's just because we've been conditioned to, you know, rent a movie called Monsters and expect uh, a monster movie. But, you know, this is more a movie about people where the monsters are in the background. I, I think, um, you know, if you like movies like uh, Before Sunrise or Before Sunset or... Um, Lost in Translation. I mean, this movie is very much along the lines of those little indie kind of star-crossed, coincidental romance movies. But yeah, I mean, it's just that every everything that goes on is because of this world where giant monsters are an everyday fact of life and people just live with them. So uh, I like it quite a bit. Um I've always liked it, but it's it's one of those movies I haven't seen very many times. I've probably seen it about three times now. But every time I've watched it, I've liked it a lot more. And, you know, it's a movie that uh, keeps on giving, like, and there's a lot of stuff that you notice and you pick up on with each viewing. Um, so, you know, th- those are always great experiences for me, where I pick up and appreciate something more every time I see it, so... What would be a proper rating, Bird? Um, proper scale, I should say. <laughs> oh, remember? Uh, okay, let me. I'll, we'll get to the rating. I, I, what did you think of the the homeless lady? <laughs> that uh, she does come out of <laughs> left field a bit. There's like this. There's a sequence when they cross over the border, and there's like this this like lady. Was she pushing a cart or something? But she's also. She's almost like a zombie. Like, she feels like a zombie. Like, I felt like that was going to be the part where we learned the monsters carry some sort of disease and it turned people into things or something. It's a bit unsettling. <laughs> maybe even, maybe even like, not so much fitting. She was crazy as well. I, I forget what she... Like, she starts making random sounds, if I remember correctly. Yeah, she starts, like, making animal noises. Like, it's where, like, in a normal... Like you said, it's this is, like, in a normal... In a normal movie, this is where you would get, like, a lot of exposition about something. But instead, you just get a, la- a crazy lady making, like, animal sounds and ma- just ranting about things that make no sense. Like, I think she says, like, cheese on the neck. Che- the cheese melts. <laughs> and it's like, what's this lady talking about? Um... But yeah, that's it. at the end when they finally get to the border, they see that like the wall has broken and that that's what the the guys say they're like, yeah, this wall is only going to last so long and you know, whatever happened when they get across the border into the states was not pretty. Um uh and yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know if it was the monsters or um <laughs> you know, the military that did all that damage, but it, it, it's not good. Um, also I want to mention, Matt, uh, before we, we wrap up for this film, um, like when you, almost every scene in the movie, in the background, in the foreground, there's some kind of signage about, you know, danger, Uh, infected zone, um, uh, or, you know, you know, uh, graffiti with the monsters on it, or, um, there's even a scene where like they're just like uh there's just like a a sign for their, I don't know just government buildings and stuff 
all of that that signage was added in via CG later. And in the making of Garrett's like, I don't know why studios will spend so much money to have like this custom made signage when you can just change it in a computer. And like you wouldn't know. That's the thing. Like it's uncanny. You, like it, you don't, yeah, you can't tell. It's not like it's floating there and it looks funny. Like I, watching the movie, I was like, man, this movie looks like it was made for quite a bit of money. Yeah. And even the parts, like, there's a ton of scenes where, like, you know, um, like I said, it's everyday life for a lot of people. So there's a ton of scenes where just, like, a tank will be, dry, like, rolling through a street. Like, all those tanks and all that stuff is all added in later via CG. And, yeah, I had no idea. And I wouldn't have had any idea unless I actually learned. Like, you can't tell whatsoever. Um, whereas, you know, there's movies that we know cost 30 times as much and things like that are evident and easy to, (laughs) easy to spot. So no, it's, it's pretty cool stuff. And, um, they filmed in like a lot of like kind of run down. I mean, like Mexico, of course, but like they, for example, they filmed in Guatemala, um, they filmed in a lot of places, uh, and, like, f- for a lot of them, they just, like, didn't know anything about the places. They were just like, oh, this is where we can film. And, like, so, like some of these are dangerous places. Like, I think it was Guatemala, but, like, um, like the, around the area they were staying, like, someone walked into a cafe and, like, shot, like, six people. Which, I mean, yeah, that happens in the U.S. all the time now. <laughs> but, like, there was also a prison riot where people got decapitated and, like, their heads were put on spikes outside. <laughs> like, that was going on, right like... Down. That sounds awful. That was going down on, like, down the street from, like, where they're filming. Um, uh, the scene where they're, they go out um, uh, and, you know, they visit, like, the, the, the shrines and stuff, that was actually filmed during Day of the Dead in Mexico. Um, so they were just able to go and, and film stuff there and make it look like something that was part of this like post-alien invasion ceremony. Um, That's guerrilla filmmaking at its finest. Yeah. La- Although La- it sounds very risky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Larry Cohen would be proud. Um, For sure. But yeah, we can do ratings. Um how many crazy squawking homeless ladies do you give this out of five? Um, I, I'm somewhere between a three and a half and a four. I really like this movie, and and I think for the right audience, like if, like I said, if you, if you're Jet Jaguar punch 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 kind of person, like this movie won't be for you. But if you enjoyed Colossal, or like if you like something like Monster Zero, where the monsters are there, but definitely very much in the kind of the the backs. I mean, you, you, there's like eight minutes of monsters or whatever in, in monster zero but like if you like those kinds of things and if you're cool with very well written not not well written excuse me very well acted stuff just being played out in front of you and the relationship between two people that don't know anything about each other like i, I don't know the character work is brilliant the monster stuff is, is is great when it's there um i really appreciate the fact that again it was made for pennies and he did everything edwards did everything himself and like just watch it for that like, I would say watch it for just the experience of knowing that this guy had one laptop and had very little money and did basically all this stuff himself. Yeah. It makes me feel like, <clears throat> you know, I like his Godzilla well enough, and 
I enjoyed Rogue One, even though I mean it's still kind of unknown how much of that movie was his was, was <laughs> right was his and how much was um, Tony Gilroy's. But uh, when he stepped when he decided to step back uh, from Godzilla two uh, and say you know I I want to go back to doing smaller things I I mean it's hard for like I said I mean Godzilla went through so many script. Uh, transitions and so many different ideas and you know I I, you get the feeling that Edwards wanted to do something a little more like 54 and Thomas Tull wanted to do a little bit more something like you know the soup the monster mash kind of show us stuff so that was messed with a little bit and then um, Rogue One was pretty much taken from him because they they felt like they needed a completely different tone for it. So I don't know. I I I would like to see what he can do with more freedom on a movie the size of Godzilla or Star Wars. But I was also happy to hear that you know he wants to go back to doing something small because um, I I think that he's shown a lot of skill in in doing what he's doing here. Um, so I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see. I I feel like Godzilla and Star Wars back to back was a lot of stress and burnout on him. So I'm curious to see what he does next. Um, and I I would love to see another indie from him, no matter what what he's doing, because um, you know he he really was able to uh kind of think off the cuff and come up with his own little movie that you know there was really no plan for. Yeah, I'd say like my favorite movie of his so far is is, is this one. Although I, I actually do like Rogue One quite a bit, but as you said, we don't know how much was him and how much wasn't. Um, I like Godzilla okay. I, I think as you mentioned, and you hit all the, the pretty much the the cliff notes of how many script revisions and different things and different influences um, he had to kind of either fight off or just go with. Um, this movie's great, and and I do hope that when he makes his next next project. I haven't seen anything with his name attached to it. So I I, I don't know, maybe you can tell me about that. Yeah. But I mean but uh, he's probably just taking a break. I mean like he shows like I don't know, he still goes to things. Like he hangs out with uh Jordan Vote Roberts like all the yeah. time. Like they're always like he's always Instagramming pictures of them doing stuff. So um yeah, I mean he's probably just chilling and taking a little break, but um but yeah, I mean it makes me wonder though like how much the people at Legendary or Lucasfilm, like, how much they were really utilizing his strengths. Because, like, um, for example, like, uh, Thor Ragnarok, um, you know, Taika Waititi, he he relied heavily on the improvisational skills of the cast, of Chris Hemsworth and Mark Ruffalo and those guys, or even the first Iron Man, you know, uh, John Favreau, uh, is on record as saying like we barely had a script and a lot of the like interaction like between Jeff Bridges and Robert Downey Jr. is stuff that they would just think up you know so I mean I, it makes me wonder like Rogue One and Godzilla like would like maybe maybe the producers should have stepped back and been like okay like have your cast improv a little bit like think of Godzilla I mean we're talking about the character work in this and the character work in Godzilla is the thing that really falls flat, especially, you know, when Cranston's killed off. Like, but, but what if he just said, like, okay, Aaron Johnson, Elizabeth Olsen, like, I, I'll just film you guys banter back and forth real quick. You know, I, I, I feel like we probably, we might have had a better movie. We might have had, you know, something yeah, that... Characters we cared about. <laughs> yeah, and, and 
and I, I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like when you hire someone from the indie world, you really don't just hire them because they're a hot name. Like hire them because you can exploit the things that you know that they're good at. So if monsters prove that he's good with improv and building character, like let him do that. Don't let him stick to a, a boring script that doesn't really care much about the characters. So, um, so yeah, that's why I, I don't know if he really, I, I don't really know if he got as fair of a shake as he should have, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what he does next. I, I think he's a thoughtful guy and, um, uh, yeah, I, I think this is, might be, I'm, I'm not sure if it's my favorite movie of his, but it's definitely the best. Um, and yeah, Matt, I mean, like last time I watched it, I was right there with you at a three and a half, but like I said, just over the years and, you know, uh, you know, every rewatch, I kind of appreciate it more. So I'm going to go with a full four for this one. Yeah, man. I, I think it, it's definitely well-deserved, unlike, uh the next movie <laughs> uh, well yeah so um so i guess uh the little indie studio that made it um voltage i think it is uh they um uh so monsters like i said cost less than half a million dollars had a limited theatrical run in which it pulled in 4.2 million so, uh, whenever there is, and of course, critically successful. Oh, Vertigo Films. Okay, I don't, who's Voltage? I don't know. Okay, Vertigo Films. Uh, you know, they, you know, indie studios can be just as um, greedy <laughs> as Hollywood studios. Uh, because, I mean, for a studio like that to make that kind of profit on, on this kind of movie, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. And so they said, okay, let do a sequel uh and then we that is when we jump ahead to monsters dark continent um uh which was in four years later in 2014 um directed by tom green uh no not the the my bum is on the not that guy yeah not not the <laughs> The, although Tom Green, you know, he was ahead of his time. Like Tom he Green, was. like even Jackass wasn't really around when Tom Green was going out and doing acting a fool or or, or you know I, I don't know. I feel like if Tom Green came out now, he'd be better or bigger. I, I liked I liked the Tom Green show. What can I say? Um, I've never seen Freddy Got Fingered, but it's supposed to be one of the worst movies ever. Although I do know people that say it's a misunderstood masterpiece. Um, but no, that's not the Tom Green we're talking about. <laughs> um, so, uh, Gareth Edwards and Scoot McNary are listed as executive producers, but, uh, this is definitely a more Guillermo del Toro Pacific Rim uprising thing where they're kind of producers in name only. Um, they even said, uh, Gareth Edwards, or Gareth Edwards, uh, had nothing to really do with it. The director, Tom Green, said that uh, before he made it, you know, he went out to lunch with Gareth Edwards and, you know, didn't really talk much about the movie even. And then Gareth Edwards, uh, that was it. <laughs> you know, I mean, so really not involved in this thing. Um, so <laughs> uh, the the premise, I guess, oh, God... 
<sighs> I guess I'll do. Uh, I don't. Ugh. Okay. I, I can try if you want me to do it, but it won't be good because the movie's not good. Okay, so um, <laughs> this movie is about uh, uh, war in the Middle East. Do they say which country? Uh, I don't, I think it's left ambiguous, but I assume it's somewhere, I, I mean, I assume it's Iraq, I think, I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like that, yeah, maybe carrying over a little bit from the, the previous movie, but it's supposed to be ten years after the previous movie, and the infected zones are basically all over, um, and, uh, that includes the Middle East, so we have these, oh, I guess you said, well, I already started, I'll just do it, you can do the next movie that we're gonna do in a different recording after this uh so i just let me run with it um so we have four guys from detroit who um all right uh, all right (laughs) all right i'm from detroit i was waiting for this by the way and i was waiting for you to bring this up nobody from detroit acts like this or talks like this it it doesn't happen it it it's like it's like when you watch a movie that t- takes place in New York, like Godzilla '98, for instance, and you know there's the characters that are like, "Oh, hey, I'm walking here." Like, I mean, like no one from New York actually says that. That's exactly what this is like. There's like there's a part where like there the guy's about to get in a fight, and he's like, "I'm from Detroit." Well, like no one from Detroit would ever say that before getting into a fight. It, it like it, I don't know. It's it's it might just be a regional hang up of mine, but it's just like. I mean, don't go for the low-hanging fruit stereotypes, guys. Uh, but anyway, um, one of these guys is uh, Gendry from Game of Thrones. Um, the other guy um, is from the show The Misfits that Tom Green here uh, directed a good amount of. But And then there's two other guys. But basically, these four guys uh, from Detroit are like, like I said, they're your stereotypical, like, they're like the kind of thuggish alpha types that you would, you know, maybe stereotype someone from Detroit as being like. Um, and the movie doesn't do them any favors before they're shipped off to the Middle East. I mean, uh, they're just like your typical fake tough guy dude bros um, that are like, yeah, you know, my boy's always got my back. Like, I mean, just these are like the goofiest stereotypes of Detroit people that I've ever seen. So it's already offensive. Um, and, uh, but yeah, like the last day before they go out, like, which is, I guess the same day one of them has a baby. <laughs> okay. Can I, can I, I want to, I want to bring this up. Cause we talked okay, about wh- Hold on. One character is introduced <laughs> having sex and like the other guy knocks on his window and he's having sex and he's like, Oh, just hang on, bro. And then, and then uh, another character is introduced as his wife is giving birth, and then like they all just leave like immediately <laughs> after to go and have their last night on the town. So they're hanging Which out with includes, uh, hookers and, and doing a lot of blow. That's yeah, what a lot of coke, a lot of hookers, and then like <laughs> it's just so dumb. Like the they're like waving guns around and dancing with these strippers and stuff, and it oh my it's god, so stupid. Um, anyway, yes, to your point, uh, about the, the guy and the birth and the, this thing. I just, I just, I don't, this dude just had a baby and he's like, well, it's our last night together. I'm like, dude, you just had a baby. He's but abandoning. He gotta, but he's got to go hang with his boys. But hang with his boys, <laughs> he's got to go play with strippers. Like, I don't, this guy, and the, the thing is, just, 
Okay, you continue because I want to bring something up when th- there's a thing that happens to that guy. So I'm already like, God, I hate these guys. I <laughs> <laughs> They're just these obnoxious stereotypes. Um, so then they, they, they get to the Middle East, and from there it really plays out like just really your typical kind of war movie but done worse i mean think of a worse version of uh full metal jacket or zero dark 30 or um or like a worse version of uh probably the probably the hurt locker is probably the best comparison like if i was gonna compare the previous one to lost in translation with monsters this is the hurt locker with monsters question mark um but yeah from there you get, uh, you know, the one guy who sees his friends, um, you know, really go, experience, die through through the horrors of war. Um, the one guy gets his legs blown off from a landmine. Another guy gets sniped. Um, you know, there's a scene where, you know, they try to save a, 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 a child who's dying and they can't. And then they, they, they get all pissed off and upset well, about it. Well, the one it. guy wants to murder the child. <laughs> well, no, there's a, there's, go ahead. Well, yeah. Well, well. I guess they're they're kind of um, uh, under the command of a uh, freighter is the guy's yeah, name. Freighter, who freighter, yeah. um, is the closest thing the movie has to a sympathetic character. Um, you know, we we learn about you know his daughter at home and like how really just how bad war has messed him up. But he wants to put the kid out of his misery, and then the. Uh, the other guy, I, I don't know, they're all the same. I don't remember which guy, what his name is. Um, I can't compliment the characters well enough to remember their names. It's not Gendry from Game of Thrones. He's dead at this point, I believe. Um, and and, and the, the younger guy decides we should save the kid, and then the kid's end up, kid ends up dying later, and Freighter's all pissed about it, and he's like, you know, we could have just spared him a little more uh, from suffering a little more, and blah, blah, blah. But it, it's the k- typical beats that you get in any, most war movies, at least, um, you know, Middle Eastern War or Vietnam War movies, but it's just kind of a, flat carbon copy of it with bad characters. Um, and then there's the monsters. I mean, the monsters are there and they're talked about, but unlike the first movie where even if they don't get a lot of screen time, like every decision of the characters, every, ha- every, every road bump that the, they go through is because of the monsters. This one, the monsters just, I they're just kind of there. I guess the movie maybe it's maybe trying to make a point of how dumb it is when we're fighting each other when there's giant monsters walking around. But that's really all they do in this is they just walk around. Um, like there's such a non-factor in this that you know you could tell me that someone just took like a cheap war movie and just glued the monsters brand over it if you can call it that and called it a day because I don't understand why this was a monsters movie. Yeah. They don't really interact with them a ton. You get like long distance shots of monsters being taken out by airplanes. And apparently the locals don't like that. And we learn that the monsters actually, apparently uh, they reproduce with spores in this one, which was never a thing in the first movie, but uh, this this film doesn't care to have any sort of real continuity. The monsters do look quite a bit different. Um, 
And like, if you took the monsters out, I don't know. It's really a different movie. The only thing that would change is the fact that they talk about having to fight monsters and the quote unquote insurgents in this film constantly. Like it's a, it's a recurring, uh, conversation. And you mentioned Freighter, like he's your typical PTSD character, but by the end of it, he's, I think he sort of lost a lot of his sympathy because he's trying to kill kids and he just doesn't care about really anything at this point. And he's seeing all these, I don't know. He, he's, I wanted him to die <laughs> at the end of the movie. Um, well, the movie doesn't do much to like. It makes him. It makes to me. He he became kind of a a villain, and and maybe that's maybe the point of the movie was to show how that how PTSD and war can wreck you. But he talks about like how his uh, so he's estranged from his girlfriend or wife, and they have a daughter. But he talks about how she's afraid of him, which doesn't bode well for him. Yeah. Um. Right, but I i mean, yeah, I, he's the only one that did feel, like, a little bit like a real person. That's of. also, yeah, no, you're right, I, I i agree, I just think this movie does so many things poorly that, like, it's its hard for me to look at that guy and feel anything for him when you got all, all the people that he interacts with are basically, like, cartoon versions of what people think soldiers are. Everyone in this is a cartoon version of what people think something is. <laughs> yeah, know? that's exactly right. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sure all the soldiers just... Oh, that's so bad. And, and the monsters themselves look nothing like the last movie, and I, I guess... Yeah, you know, they're very different. And, I, and, like, I don't know, I guess you could say this is supposed to be ten years after, so, you know, I mean, I, maybe there's some crossbreeding and different subspecies and stuff, but... Um, the point I wanted to bring up later uh, about, like, well, first of all, I don't know. I mean, it, I guess it would be kind of neat if we found out, you know, oh, they used some of the rejected designs from the first movie, but I, I don't know. That's just one of them that looks kind of like a tree branch. Um, do you know the one I'm talking about? Dude, they they on they really they all look like tree branches. <laughs> yeah, they just but, they look. <laughs> but it, the reason I point that out is it reminds me a little bit of the one that I mentioned Gareth talking about in the um, special features of the first movie where he said, you know, this one doesn't have any, like, soul to it. It just looks like a thing. Um, and, yeah, I feel like this movie missed the point of why he maybe... I Like, I, it's fine if they want to change the design and introduce some new creatures and stuff, but I, I feel like the, this one kind of misses the point of why Gareth landed on the design he did for the first one of, you know, we wanted it to feel alien but also, like, relatable as something from Earth so people can kind of see some kind of sympathy with it. And in this, they're just things that are... Like, they don't even... like. They just kind of like stand around, like they don't, like I don't know. There is such a non thing in this movie. Yeah, they're 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 very so like the there's a gigantic creature towards the end of the mist that has got like four legs, and they kind of look like that. And there's a scene where like a helicopter flies over one and it kind of like reaches up in slow motion, and like swipes at it. But then like the rest of the movie kind of is the monster is being carpet bombed from afar and you kind of see that you see the monsters dead bodies there's like a new species of monster that looks like a i don't know just some sort of four-legged something that like chases and runs along the humvees but that's kind of as interesting as they get and there's a, there's a thing that happens at the very end that we'll talk about i'm sure but like besides that that's i don't know they're they're fairly they're not they're not used in the way that like i said you could cut the entire monsters out and this movie you wouldn't notice. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I just, I don't know, I I saw this movie when it came out, I swore I wasn't going to see it, even for this podcast, I was like, Matt, you're alone on this, and then I was feeling, <laughs> I don't know, I felt kind of bad about it, so I was like, okay, I guess I'll watch it, and I made sure, because I think I rented it streaming the first time, I made sure not to spend any money on it, I like, I, I was looking on my Roku, I was like, okay, Monsters Dark Continent, and some like cheap ass, like, uh, movie app came up theater called Theater of Monsters, and it's like all public domain, like fifties monster movies. And then for no reason, Monsters Dark Continent is on there with Spanish subtitles. <laughs> that, yeah, and, that and like standard HD DVD quality. And I was like, all right, well, I guess this is the best it's gonna get because I'm not spending any money on this, and it's a miracle that I even found it this way. So that's how I watched it. Um. The only scene that I did like and that felt like in spirit with the first movie is there's a scene like maybe in the front of the last act where um main dude bro guy um <laughs> dude has, bro, like yeah it. has saved the the child and he goes outside and he sits down and um I don't remember if she's the kid's mom or just someone like a good-natured person in the area, but um, it's actually Sophia Butella from The Mummy, and um, she played the mummy in the crappy Tom Cruise version, and uh, she's the girl with the knife feet from Kingsman. Um, that's what's interesting about going back and watching some things sometimes, is, like, you recognize people who are now, like, in things. <laughs> like, I didn't know that... <laughs> when I first saw this, I didn't know her or the guy from Game of Thrones, but um, he sits down with her, and they, they see... Um, in the first movie, we see the monster's um, eggs, and, you know, we learn that they just kind of, like, are laid in tree... Like, they, they hook onto tree branches and then just, like, hatch from there. Um, and we see them actually, like, lay the eggs, and it's it's a cool scene where, like, the monster, like just launches a bunch of these glowy things out of some appendage. And, like, they all fall in the night sky, and they land, and they're colorful and pretty. And we see a little baby one come out. Um, and, uh, and that part was cool, and it has the same kind of, like, you know, awe-stricken, um, you know, characters watching this kind of beautiful event of nature, kind of like the end of the first one. Um, but that's that's probably the only scene I genuinely was like, oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah, I, no, I mean, that, that scene, there, there's that scene and there's a scene where they show the little baby monster for the first time because a kid has it, a different, a different child, has this monster in, like, a box, kind of as a pet. Yeah, kind of like, like a, when, it, yeah, kind of like how kids will, like, find an insect and, like, put it in a jar uh, yeah i mean Land yeah landon actually like does that we keep it in like a little we have a little bug thing that he he keeps some uh catches some insects during the summer and stuff but the same exact thing and that part was kind of neat um at the end of the film the reason that there's basically two soldiers and they've been on this rescue mission to rescue four soldiers that basically lost communication with an SM village and they're trying to get there and during that they get attacked and basically everybody dies except these last two guys and the one guy snaps because he realizes when they get to the village that everybody there, that the people they were trying to rescue was, are dead. And he starts going on a rampage and trying, starting to, he actually kills a villager. And the other guy has to stop him, and so he ends up shooting him. And then 
they kind of the guy starts walking away and he's he's holding his his uh, stomach because that's where he got shot, and then like the ground starts trembling and basically the movie ends with a helicopter coming to pick them up, the one guy dying and a giant Godzilla sized monster like coming out of the ground. But again, one of those things where it feels incredibly tacked on. Think like Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah. Like that's I don't know how you felt about it, but it just kind of comes out of nowhere and for no reason really. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's I don't know. Yeah, it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it's just I don't know. I mean, if you're gonna do a sequel to Monsters, it deserved better. Um, so I don't know. I'm done talking about this piece of crap. Uh, it's been a long time since I've disliked a movie as much as this one. It's just everyone's irritating. Uh, and the stuff that is decent, you can see better in other movies, whether it's the first Monsters or Full Metal Jacket or, uh, The Hurt Locker, uh, or Zero Dark Thirty. I mean, go watch those and forget about this, because, uh, it's, uh, not good. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, I recommend a series like The Pacific, too, if you want to see some of the effects, the post-war stuff. There's some some pretty good stuff in that miniseries. Yeah, so uh, I guess how many... How many dude bro soldiers from Detroit? Yeah, how how many fake Detroit dude bros do I give this out of five? Um, I'm going to go with a one. Yeah, uh, I gave it a one and a half, but either one is... (laughs) I'm never going to watch it again. Uh... It's bad. I don't recommend it. Yeah, it's it's awful. Um, uh, about a year ago, there was word of a monsters TV series, um, but uh, I don't. I haven't heard any traction on that. I mean, it's an interesting enough thing that they could probably do a cool show on it, but. I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see if it happens. I mean, it, it's it's one of those things that it doesn't need to be a franchise. When I heard they were first making a sequel, I was like, well, if you can come up with something really interesting, like how they did with Aliens to Alien, I mean, go ahead. But you know, they didn't. <laughs> so I don't know if a series would fare any better. I mean, if it happens, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I I agree that the concept enough. You could you could get some mileage out of it. Just don't. Don't make it all dude broy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, avoid this one. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is hopefully this will be proof because we've done a few of these like not too typical monster movies now, like Colossal and Q and Monsters, and I like all of them. And I keep saying, yeah, if you just want something different, go for it. But um, you know, this is proof that that idea doesn't always work. Um, you know, and this is where, you know, yeah, mixing a war movie with, uh, you know, uh, monster monsters, you know, hey, that's a cool idea, but, you know, there's just nothing more there, unlike the first one. So, yeah, I, I can't recommend it at all. Yeah. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm tapped out at this point. Don't skip it. Yeah. <laughs> skip, skip this movie. Yeah, skip it. Um,. All right, I guess we can get out of here. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, check us out on 
Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Leave us iTunes reviews and ratings and all that good stuff. Email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get out of your hair. All right. See ya.